Good morning and welcome. My name is Claude. My wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway. And I want to take a moment specifically, if you're with us for the first time, to make you aware of a couple of things. The first is, if you have kids, we have a kid's message that corresponds with this morning's adult message that you're about to see in a couple moments here. Uh, if you're interested in viewing that, you can head over to our messages page on our website, and uh, you'll find not only the kid's message there, but also other resources that are available to you. I want to make you also aware that if you're interested interested in uh, reaching out to us or communicating to us in any way during this season, the best way to do that is to email us at uh, connect at centerwaychurch.com. In doing so, uh, we'll reach back out to you and we would love to know if, uh, if you have any needs, if you have family members or even neighbors that are in need and there's some way that we could possibly help, uh, we'd love to be made aware of that. So please stay in touch. Um, speaking of staying in touch, I want to make you aware of some things to navigate on this online platform as well. At the top, you'll find that there's some tabs there. Um, and the first one is a communication card. And that's just a way for us to stay in touch and to get your information if you're interested in us having that. Uh, secondly, you'll see that there's a tab to give. Thirdly, there's a tab to next steps that'll be made more clear at the conclusion of the message today. Uh, the fourth and final one is previous messages that'll redirect to our website to that messages page that I mentioned earlier where uh, the kids message uh, lives as well as other previous messages. I um, want to let you uh, also in on something pretty cool. Uh, we just came to the end of a circle cycle and uh, that's the way that we gather in groups and kind of negotiate in the application question weekly. Uh, in this season, we wanted to make sure that we made opportunities for you to connect with others um, as often as possible. And so we're gonna start another cycle this coming week. And so following this morning's uh, message, there'll be the opportunity for those uh, links to go live and you can sign up for a circle of your choice right there. There's also a kid's circle. Uh, it's just a great time to remain connected. So we encourage you to check those out if you're interested. As far as what to expect to today, um, Following my lengthy information rant, uh, I'm going to welcome Alicia, and she is going to read this morning's text from the comfort of her home, which is pretty cool. And then it'll shoot back over to Eric, who's one of our internal elders, and he's going to be communicating out of God's word uh, for the gathering this morning. And uh, following Eric's uh, message, we're going to also go live on two platforms, Instagram Live as well as Facebook Live, with an unplugged version of live worship. And so we're going to have uh, some people leading us worship in worship there. Uh, you won't want to miss out on that. It was great last week. It's going to be great this week. So we hope to see you there. Um, also, I had a little bit of a mishap with the Instagram. If you stuck around to the end, you got to see that. If you didn't, you missed out. So you're going to want to see the whole thing just in case I make an imbecile myself yet again. Um, but that does it as far as everything I need to make you aware of this week. So please uh, get comfortable and let's go ahead and uh, hear from Alicia. Alicia, take it away. Good morning, I'm Alicia, and I'll be reading the text for our message today. You can follow along with me in Hebrews chapter 12, 18 through 24. It says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, 
and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Happy Palm Sunday. My name is Eric, and we are continuing a series that we began last week called Loud and Clear. Uh, My message this morning is entitled Hope. And to be quite honest with you right now, our world is looking to hope in some pretty simple places. Uh, We're really, really hoping uh, that people wash their hands when they get out of the bathroom nowadays. Um, Covering your mouth when you sneeze, that's a really hopeful thing that we look for now. Uh, You're sick, maybe you shouldn't be around people. And if we do that, we really, really hope that things will get better, right? Uh, I work at a school and uh, we've been giving these email blasts out that say, hey kids, be cool and do the five. Wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, make sure you're covering your mouth, all those fun things there. If that's cool, I've been cool since the 80s, man, because I've been washing my hands uh, ever since I can remember. So uh, I fit in. I'm I'm excited to say that I fit in. Um, It's not always the case, though. Uh, Sometimes I don't fit in with the crowd, and I have plenty of stories that um, show how I don't fit in with the crowd, but I'm not in the mood to embarrass myself. So I'm just going to share one that's public knowledge. Uh, In fact, Claude's been making fun of me uh, for this story for about 18 years now. I was a youth pastor, uh, and it was right around the time where kids were going back to school. There's an event in youth ministry called Sia at the Pole. Uh, I got all of my kids really, really excited. I was youth pastoring uh, in Oswego, and so I told this group of kids, I'm going to be at your school at 7 in the morning so we can just pray and intercede for your school and for your community. Meet me there, then afterward you can go right into to school and uh, have a great day. Uh, so 7 o'clock came. Seven o'clock went and nobody showed up. Uh, One kid around 7.20, but he wasn't part of my youth group. So we prayed together, which was great. Uh, But I was still kind of looking around at about 7.30 when people were starting to kind of filter into the school one by one. I figured, I'm not going to leave yet. Maybe my kids are just late. You know, they're really getting excited for the day. I know they want to come pray. Uh, It was about 7.40 when buses started to arrive. Uh, I was going to walk to my car. When I noticed a car that I I knew was familiar to me uh, belonged to these two girls. They were sisters, and uh, they were part of the youth group, and they told me that they were going to be at the flagpole. Uh, One of the sisters was on crutches, so I gave her a little bit of leeway, a little bit of time. Uh, As I saw the car, I got really excited. I started running up to the car. I knew that they were excited because they got out of the car really, really fast. But instead of coming toward me, they joined the crowd and ran into the school with the one crutching as fast as they can. Uh, Just in case they didn't see me, I was yelling, hey, hey, it's me, it's Pastor Eric, we're gonna pray or what? And they said, we'll see you later, and just ran or crutched their way into the school, making me look like some kind of weirdo chasing after high school girls. Uh, It was embarrassing, I did not fit into the crowd, they fit into the crowd, Um, but it's something that I haven't lived down in the 18 years since. Uh, That story begs the question that we're going to be talking about today, and the question goes like this, why is it so easy to follow the crowd? Why is it so easy 
to follow the crowd. Sometimes it's a no-brainer to follow the crowd. Uh, we, we like to blend in. It's uncomfortable to stand out, kind of like those girls. Uh, uh, there, sometimes there's just safety in numbers. If you're a gazelle out on the African safari, um, you don't want to stand out uh, around lions, right? Uh, you want to blend in. You want to make sure that you're not rejecting the crowd. So there's safety in numbers sometimes. Uh, sometimes we just kind of assume that the crowd knows what they're doing or where they're going or what they're talking about. And in that case, we don't have to do the hard work of critical thinking or thinking for ourselves. We just kind of join the crowd and go along that way. You know, whatever the reason, it can really be easy to follow the crowd. The problem is probably more often than not, I would say, the crowd is not heading in the right direction. And we see this illustrated in the life of Jesus. As we celebrate Palm Sunday today and then Easter next week, what we're doing is we're celebrating two events that were brought on by the crowd. Palm Sunday is a celebration of when the crowd welcomed the Messiah uh, to Jerusalem. They threw their cloaks down and they waved palm branches and they celebrated as a crowd that their king, the Messiah, had come into their city. And then just a week later, Easter is a celebration of Jesus rising from the dead after that same crowd had turned on him and worked to get him crucified. So we know that the, that the crowds can be very, very fickle. And you know that because you're part of a crowd yourself. We've all been in that situation where we're following a crowd, whether we wanted to or just wanted to blend in. But our passage today starts the section of Hebrews that I think brings the book's main point to its uh, conclusion. The writer of Hebrews has kind of been creating these metaphoric word pictures about Jesus and how he's better than other things uh, that we can find in Scripture and beyond. And so now our author begins to pull us into the middle of the crowd, and you can insert your own social distancing joke here, um, and shows us how the new covenant provides way more hope and way more peace than the old covenant did. Let's look at verses 18 and 19 again, if we can. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Man, I think we need some background on that. Uh, Hebrews is referring to the mountain or Mount Sinai where Moses received the law from God. You can read all about that in the book of Exodus, particularly chapters 19 and 20. And our passage today is comparing the physical features of the time when the law was given to the spiritual features of Mount Zion, the place where Jerusalem is located, where Jesus fulfilled the law and the gospel of hope was first proclaimed. Under the Old Covenant, God's holiness and his majesty were emphasized by those natural signs that accompanied him, uh, meaning his presence. Sometimes it was a blazing fire. Other times it was utter darkness, this deep darkness and gloom, and the piercing sound of angels playing trumpets. Under the Old Covenant, the emphasis was on the infinite distance between God and man, this wide, huge chasm that couldn't be crossed. And Hebrews gives us two specific examples of this. Hebrews talks about God's voice and God's presence. So this passage says that the voice of God was too much for uh, the crowd to bear. Verse 19 shows that God's voice was so overwhelming that the crowd actually pleaded with Moses to have God speak to him directly away from them. 
The people wanted to be as far away from the voice of God as they could possibly be because they recognized just how holy he is. His word boomed, and man, it freaked the crowd out. The second example that Hebrews gives uh, of the distance between God and man is found in verses 20 through 21. That's his presence, and his presence was just unapproachable. Here's what the word of God says. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. The Hebrew people uh, were told to keep away from the presence of God. Exodus 19 again says that even if a straying animal touched the mountain, uh, let alone a responsible Israelite, that it had to die. The wording of the passage in Exodus describes the animal uh, that comes too close to the mountain as having contracted holiness from God. I, I love that idea. So much holiness being contracted by God that it had to be killed, had to be stoned. Um, Today, we live in an era where just breathing on someone could lead to their death, as sad and tragic as that is. Uh, and I love the imagery that contracting holiness uh, from God by being too close to the presence of God uh, could lead to this as well. It's an interesting uh, idea, especially living on this side of the cross. Uh, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, and if a person got too close to even the animal that was infected by the holiness of God, it had to be killed uh, in a very particular way. It couldn't be killed by uh, grabbing it and then uh, using a knife to kill it. It actually had to be killed at a distance by throwing stones at it. That's how infectious the holiness of, of God was. The crowd couldn't enter into that holiness, couldn't enter into the presence of God uh, because of their sin, the sin that needed to be dealt with. And if it wasn't dealt with, the holiness of God would indeed destroy them. So here we have uh, a glimpse of the Mount Sinai view of God. The Mount Sinai view of God is a God that's terrifying, destroying, he wanting to give us rules to follow, but not being able to initiate a relationship with us because we're so unlike him in our sin. And if you're honest with yourself, uh, that may still be the view of God that you have today because that's certainly the view that the crowd has in our world today. Uh, the crowd says that without an understanding of the gospel or of the new covenant that Jesus brings on, we're kind of left at the base of Mount Sinai. We're kind of half afraid of what God is going to do, and we're half angry at him that he brought us out to this place, this mountain in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, right now, the crowd is looking to hear God's voice. They're looking to run away from God's voice. Uh, they're not expecting or hoping to be in his presence. They're looking to do their own thing away from the presence of God. The crowd hopes that someone else will be brave enough to go climb the mountain for them uh, so that they don't have to worry about the voice or the presence of God. And the crowd hopes that there, uh, there's going to be another Moses that will somehow represent them because God is really just complicated and scary. When the crowd begins to get excited uh, that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and begins to marvel at the teaching and healing power of Jesus in his day, they celebrated him as just that, as the one who came out from the crowd in order to, uh, on their behalf, answer uh, to God for the people. 
Uh, they waved their palm branches in celebration because he had climbed Mount Zion. He was going to be the Messiah, the one that would lead them to freedom by accomplishing God's plan or God's will. He was going to be the one to step out and represent the people, bringing them peace, bringing them hope, bringing them justice. But when they saw him disrupt the temple and prophesy that Jerusalem would be destroyed, the crowd turned on him just like that. It didn't take long. It took three, maybe four days for that to happen during Holy Week between Palm Sunday uh, and Good Friday. And the reality is, is that this letter that Hebrews um, gives to us contrasts the physical mountain with the spiritual reality of the new covenant. And when it does, I want you to notice uh, what's being said about the crowd. The crowd at Mount Sinai is dispersed. The crowd at Mount Sinai is trembling in fear. They're maybe even angry at God for all of the things that he's allowing in their life. But now as we approach the new covenant, as we approach Mount Zion, look at what uh, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. So instead of having a God who disperses the crowd with his voice and his presence, we have a God who brings the crowd together. We have a God uh, who, when we approach Mount Zion, uh, we, we get to enter into this group, this community, this city of worshipers in his presence. Instead of being told to stay away until we're completely holy, he's, he allows us to come in and to worship as a community, as a group of people. Uh, earthly Jerusalem was an old Jebusite stronghold at the top of a mountain that David captures and then ends up making his home base. He establishes his throne there, and he actually brings the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem, uh, to this place, the top of Mount Zion, uh, that represents uh, God's presence uh, right there in the, in the temple. But even though God's presence uh, his holiness was found there on the mountain. Only one person could ever actually enter into his presence. And that was once a year. That was the high priest. And so his presence was there, but no one was ever able to enter into that presence. And at the time, people really didn't want to. They were afraid of what was going to happen. But now, because of the gospel, anyone who trusts in the work that Jesus has accomplished can ascend that mountain and enter into that city, enter into that communion uh, with, with God himself and the saints and the angels celebrating in festal gathering. That's just this fancy way uh, of saying a party, right? Uh, festal gathering has its roots in the word festival or feasting. And so the angels are throwing a party with lots of incredible food and we get to be a part of that. That is good news. The gospel changes us from cowering sinners pleading for God to stop talking to saints who get to party with the angels in the presence of God. That is beautiful good news. But here's the reality. The astute among us will realize that God doesn't change. God, It's not like God has changed from this angry um, person up in the sky, you know, telling people to stay away to this nice, lovable, uh, kind of happy God that says, hey, you know what? Sin's okay. It's not that big a deal. Come on in my presence anyway. Uh, we would realize that God can never change. And so something had to between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. He's still just as holy and people are still just as sinful. 
He still won't tolerate idols uh, in our lives, uh, and people still create idols all of the time. Uh, what takes God's presence from unapproachable and terrifying to something that draws us in and causes us to celebrate uh, can be found in the next verses, verses 23 and 24. This is really good news. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, into the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It's Jesus who has taken the judgment of God uh, for sin and bore it on himself on the cross. So like Moses, Jesus goes before us into the presence of God, but he was a better Moses. He not only made uh, was a mediator on our behalf, but he also was the sacrifice so that we could draw near to him, so that chasm between God and man uh, could be connected, can be bridged, can be uh, to that place where we can enjoy the connection with God and angels and people uh, together. The writer of Hebrews shows us that it was Jesus uh, that presented God's plan loud and clear so that uh, his voice still booms today. Uh, Jesus provides clarity that our reverent fear can cause us to draw near to God rather than uh, run away from him in his presence. And on Palm Sunday, the crowd in Jerusalem celebrated this hope. They celebrated it. Uh, but since it didn't come in the way that they expected it to, they turned on Jesus and they gave up their hope in him. And the truth of the matter is that the, the crowd still expects the pathway to the mountain of God to look different than the exclusive claims of Jesus today. They want to go up to the mountain for sure, uh, but because it looks different because of what Jesus did, uh, they might have questions or concerns or even walk away altogether. Uh, if we want to share with the world that the hope that Jesus gives, what we're going to have to do is step out from among the crowd. It's to step away from the crowd for a moment. Uh, step away from the direction that the crowd is going. Take a step back and realize that, that Jesus says something different than the direction of the crowd. Maybe this morning... Uh, your stepping out from the crowd looks like investigating the claims of Jesus uh, rather than just uh, denying the gospel altogether. Maybe you're one uh, who has never had a relationship with Jesus and has always uh, been skeptical about what Jesus has said, and your stepping away from the crowd might look like investigating the claims of Jesus, who he says he was. Maybe you're stepping out from the crowd in this season is just having a conversation with a friend about the hope of Jesus, how the, the hope that they're looking for isn't found in government or in their job stability or in their hand-washing abilities, but it's found in the hope of Jesus. I don't pretend to know your story, but I do know that if you want to take your experience with God from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion, it's going to set you apart from the crowd. Now, here at Centerway, we believe that every text of Scripture requires something from us. And this week is no different. So this week, the application question is this. Where this week will I step out in faith? Where this week will I step out in faith? What will it look like for me to walk away from the crowd and begin to say, I'm living in hope based on Jesus, not based on anything else that this world may be heading toward? 
I'm stepping out and finding hope in Jesus. I want to challenge you to do something unique this week. One of the things that uh, we want you to do this week uh, is to respond to the question of stepping out in faith by taking communion as a family. Maybe you're a new believer uh, and that stepping out idea pertains to crossing the line of faith. And you're saying, you know, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to put my hope in something unique this week and step out and cross that line of faith. For some of you who have already made that commitment, Maybe God is asking you to take the next step, whatever that looks like. It could be baptism or signing up for a circle. Whatever it may be, uh, what's that next step that might be stepping away from the crowd? I'm going to pray and then give us some instructions on how to proceed from this time forward. But would you just bow your heads and hearts with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we don't have to fear your presence and we don't have to fear your voice. God, I thank you that you've brought us from Mount Sinai, from that place of the law and trying to fulfill every single requirement of the law on our own to a place uh, of freedom in Jesus who has fulfilled the law on our behalf. I pray, God, that we would lean into your presence in this time. God, that we would lean into your voice. And God, I pray that whatever that would look like uh, in our own lives, Lord God, that we would take a step of faith, take another step uh, out of the crowd so that we could follow you more clearly. God, I ask that you be glorified in our lives, especially during this holy week. And I pray, Father God, that uh, you would speak to us in fresh and new ways. And we ask it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Uh, right now, you're going to hear from Meredith about how to respond to this word and song, but I hope that you guys have a great week. Hi there, I'm Meredith. Like Eric said, I'm here to give you some ways to respond in worship. One of the things that he mentioned at the end of his message was communion. And I know it might seem a little odd to be taking communion at home, um, but just quite simply, communion is a way to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And so the heart of what you're doing is more important than maybe the typical setting or typical emblems that we would hand out at church. And so I would just encourage you at some point today, if you wanna find um, just something, a cracker, bread, whatever, that would represent the broken body of Jesus and something that would represent his blood is the symbol of those things. Um, you can find the reference for that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, starting at verse 23, and go ahead and take that and remember what Jesus has done for us. A uh, couple other quick things. If you're watching live right now, in just a moment when I'm done talking, we're going to head over to Instagram Live and Faith, Facebook Live, and we're going to have a live worship set, which is just one other way to respond in worship, and that's through song. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this later, you can find those same songs on our Spotify playlist. Just search Centerway Church, look for our Loud and Clear playlist, and you can find not only this week's songs, but also um, all the songs from the series so far. So don't forget this week. Sign up for a circle, check out the kids' message. We got lots of other resources for you, but right now, just just a moment. We're gonna give you a second to connect with us. We're heading over to Instagram Live and Facebook Live. See you over there. <laughs>